Section 11 of A Book of Sibyls by Anne Thackeray Ritchie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miss Edgeworth, Part 4. Though her life was so short, Honora Edgeworth seems to have made the deepest impression on all those she came across. Over little Maria, she had the greatest influence. There is a pretty description of the child standing lost in wondering admiration of her stepmother's beauty as she watched her soon after her marriage dressing at her toilet table little maria's feeling for her stepmother was very deep and real and the influence of those few years lasted for a lifetime her own exquisite carefulness she always ascribed to it and to this example may also be attributed her habits of order and self-government her life of reason and deliberate judgment the seven years of honora's married life seemed to have been very peaceful and happy she shared her husband's pursuits and wished for nothing outside her own home she began with him to write those little books which were afterwards published it is just a century ago since she and mr edgeworth planned the early histories of harry and lucy and frank while mr day began his sandford and merton which at first was intended to appear at the same time though eventually the third part was not published till seventeen eighty nine as a girl of seventeen honora sneed had once been threatened with consumption after seven years of married life the cruel malady again declared itself and though dr darwin did all that human resource could do and though every tender care surrounded her the poor young lady rapidly sank there is a sad prim most affecting letter addressed to little maria by the dying woman shortly before the end and then comes that one written by the father which is to tell her that all is over if mr edgeworth was certainly unfortunate in losing again and again the happiness of his home he was more fortunate than most people in being able to rally from his grief he does not appear to have been unfaithful in feeling years after edgeworth writing to console mrs day upon her husband's death speaks in the most touching way of all he had suffered when honora died and of the struggle he had made to regain his hold of life this letter is in curious contrast to that one written at the time as he sits by honora's deathbed it reads strangely cold and irrelevant in these days when people are not ashamed of feeling or of describing what they feel continue my dear daughter he writes to maria who was then thirteen years old the desire which you feel of becoming amiable prudent and of use the ornamental parts of a character with such an understanding as yours necessarily ensue but true judgment and sagacity in the choice of friends and the regulation of your behaviour can be only had from reflection and from being thoroughly convinced of what experience in general teaches too late that to be happy we must be good such a letter written at such a time says the kind biographer made the impression it was intended to convey and the wish to act up to the high opinion her father had formed of her character became an exciting and controlling power over the whole of maria's future life on her deathbed honora urged her husband to marry again and assured him that the woman to suit him was her sister elizabeth her influence was so great upon them both that although elizabeth was attached to some one else and mr edgeworth believed her to be little suited to himself they were presently engaged and married 
not without many difficulties the result proved how rightly honora had judged it was to her father that maria owed the suggestion of her first start in literature immediately after honora's death he tells her to write a tale about the length of a spectator on the subject of generosity it must be taken from history or romance must be sent the day senite after you receive this and i beg you will take some pains about it a young gentleman from oxford was also set to work to try his powers on the same subject and mr william sneed at lichfield was to be the judge between the two performances he gave his verdict for maria an excellent story and very well written but where's the generosity this we are told became a sort of proverb in the edgeworth family the little girl meanwhile had been sent to school to a certain mrs latafiere where she had been taught to use her fingers to write a lovely delicate hand to work white satin waistcoats for her papa she was then removed to a fashionable establishment in upper wimpole street where says her stepmother she underwent all the usual tortures of backboards iron collars and dumbbells with the unusual one of being hung by the neck to draw out the muscles and increase the growth a signal failure in her case miss edgeworth was always a very tiny person there is a description given of maria at this school of hers of the little maiden absorbed in her book with all the other children at play while she sits in her favorite place in front of a carved oak cabinet quite unconscious of the presence of the romping girls all about her hers was a very interesting character as it appears in the memoirs sincere intelligent self-contained and yet dependent methodical observant sometimes as one reads of her in early life one is reminded of some of the personal characteristics of the writer who perhaps of all writers least resembles miss edgeworth in her art of charlotte bronte whose books are essentially of the modern and passionate school but whose strangely mixed character seemed rather to belong to the orderly and neatly ruled existence of queen charlotte's reign people's lives as they really are don't perhaps vary very much but people's lives as they seem to be assuredly change with the fashions miss edgeworth and miss bronte were both irish women who have often with all their outcome the timidity which arises from quick and sensitive feeling but the likeness does not go very deep maria whose diffidence and timidity were personal but who had a firm and unalterable belief in family traditions may have been saved from some danger of prejudice and limitation by a most fortunate though trying illness which affected her eyesight and which caused her to be removed from her school with its monstrous elegancies to the care of mr day that kindest and sternest of friends this philosopher in love had been bitterly mortified when the lively elizabeth sneed instead of welcoming his return could not conceal her laughter at his uncouth elegancies and confessed that on the whole she had liked him better as he was before he forswore lichfield and marriage and went abroad to forget he turned his thoughts to politics he wrote pamphlets on public subjects and letters upon slavery his poem of the dying negro had been very much admired miss hannah moore speaks of it in her memoirs 
the subject of slavery was much before people's minds and day's influence had not a little to do with the rising indignation among day's readers and admirers was one person who was destined to have a most important influence upon his life by a strange chance his extraordinary ideal was destined to be realized and a young lady good accomplished rich devoted who had read his books and sympathized with his generous dreams was ready not only to consent to his strange conditions but to give him her whole heart and find her best happiness in his society and in carrying out his experiments and fancies she was miss esther milnes of yorkshire an heiress and though at first day hesitated and could not believe in the reality of her feeling her constancy and singleness of mind were not to be resisted and they were married at bath in seventeen seventy eight we hear of mr and mrs day spending the first winter of their married life at hampstead and of mrs day thickly shodden walking with him in a snowstorm on the common and ascribing her renewed vigour to her husband's spartan advice day and his wife eventually established themselves at anningsley near chobham he had insisted upon settling her fortune upon herself but mrs day assisted him in every way and sympathized in his many schemes and benevolent ventures when he neglected to make a window to the dressing-room he built for her we hear of her uncomplainingly lighting her candles to please him she worked as a servant in the house and all their large means were bestowed in philanthropic and charitable schemes mr edgeworth quotes his friend's reproof to mrs day who was fond of music shall we beguile the time with the strains of a lute while our fellow-creatures are starving i am out of pocket every year about three hundred pounds by the farm i keep day writes to his friend edgeworth the soil i have taken in hand i am convinced is one of the most completely barren in england he then goes on to explain his reasons for what he is about it enables me to employ the poor and the result of all my speculations about humanity is that the only way of benefiting mankind is to give them employment and make them earn their money there is a pretty description of the worthy couple in their home dispensing help and benefits all round about draining planting teaching doctoring nothing came amiss to them their chief friend and neighbor was samuel cobbett who understood their plans and sympathized in their efforts which naturally enough were viewed with doubt and mistrust by most of the people round about it was at Anningsley that Mr. Day finished Sanford and Merton, begun many years before. His death was very sudden, and was brought about by one of his own benevolent theories. He used to maintain that kindness alone could tame animals, and he was killed by a fall from a favorite colt which he was breaking in. Mrs. Day never recovered the shock. She lived two years hidden in her home, absolutely inconsolable and then died and was laid by her husband's side in the churchyard at wargrave by the river it was to the care of these worthy people that little maria was sent when she was ill and she was doctored by them both physically and morally bishop berkeley's tar-water was still considered a specific for all complaints says mrs edgeworth mr day thought it would be of use to maria's inflamed eyes and he used to bring a large tumbler full of it to her every morning 
she dreaded his now miss maria drink this but there was in spite of his stern voice something of pity and sympathy in his countenance his excellent library was open to her and he directed her studies his severe reasoning and uncompromising truth of mind awakened all her powers and the questions he put to her and the working out of the answers the necessity of perfect accuracy in all her words suited the natural truth of her mind and though such strictness was not agreeable she even then perceived its advantage and in after life was grateful for it End of section eleven